Well, it's a brand new year, and this is Season 2, Episode 10, Changes Ahead. When I think back about the moments that have shaped and changed my life, they've been just moments, seconds in time. They've impacted me, and they can impact all of us and sometimes change who we are. Sometimes, more than often, it's big things that change our life, but the small things can and will make a difference also. Of course, not all things that change our life are pleasant. In fact, most of them aren't at all. They are profound moments that impact our core. They can touch us so deeply, it changes the course of our life, the way we think, and sometimes they leave a scar on your heart. This is one of those stories And for me, it really has been the hardest thing that I've ever had to do, and it changed my life forever. My dad was a child prodigy, and he attended a music conservatory at the age of six. He could read music before English. He played with the jazz greats like Wes Montgomery, Gary Burton, and many others. In fact, he taught Wes Montgomery's brother Monk how to play bass. He started touring Europe at the age of 17, He played in clubs, and He also was in a band that played music for runway shows for fashion models, and he said traveling on the bus with a bunch of models at 17 was, well, you can imagine. He lived in New York for many years afterwards, and he played in jazz clubs there till he was in his late 30s. Then he moved back to Michigan and decided it was time to get a straight job. My grandparents raised me, and my grandfather was an amazing guitar player, player, and he had friends over all the time to play music, people like Les Paul and Martin Taylor. And I remember when I was in my early 30s, I got a phone call from my stepsister, Lynette. She was my dad's third wife's daughter. It was a Saturday afternoon, West Coast time, and I lived in Portland, and my dad lived in Pinehurst, North Carolina at the time, and I asked her how things were, and told her I was surprised to hear from her, and she told me my dad was in the hospital and not doing so good. I asked, well, when did he go to the hospital? She said, four days ago. Of course I asked, well, what was wrong with him? She said he was in a coma. They didn't think he would make it. I asked, well, why didn't someone call me before this? She told me my dad asked them not to call because he didn't want to worry me. He was 53 at the time. I hung up the phone after a few minutes of talking with her and decided I needed to fly back and see him. So I booked a flight for Monday morning, and I was at the airport at 6 a.m. to catch that flight. I couldn't focus. I could tell this might be the last time I get to see my dad, and I spent some some time of the flight in the bathroom. I just was overwhelmed with sadness and fear. I got to the airport, rented a car, and it was about a two-hour drive to the airport from the airport to the hospital. And when I got there, I asked at the counter about my dad. I informed them that I was his son, and someone came down and walked me down to his room, and there he was, tubes and wires everywhere. There was a dark green chair next to the bed. I sat down, and he was unresponsive. I held his hand and started to talk to him. I told him I loved him and that I was here and I was proud to be his son and he just laid there. I remember something came over me. I can't explain it, but it was it was like this calm just from being next to him and holding his hand. 
At one point, I stood up, leaned over, and said if he needed to go and move on, it was okay. That he was an amazing dad. I loved him. I think I must have told him I loved him at least a dozen times while I was there. I stayed for about two hours, then decided there was nothing more I could do at the moment, and I needed to go check in with Carolyn Fay, my stepmother, and it was about a 30-minute drive to her house. Once I got there, she was so worried and sad, and she told me she was sorry and that having me there helped. I looked just like my dad. I never thought about it, but it must have seemed weird that here I was and she asked me if I'd eaten anything, and I hadn't eaten since really Saturday after I talked to Lynette. She fixed me some lunch, and we sat and talked about my dad. I said, so fill me in. And she said his liver and kidneys had failed, and I think that was from being an alcoholic. And he was diabetic, and I think all of that together put him in the coma. At least she thought so. She said the ambulance came, and he told them all not to call me, and he didn't want to worry me, and I didn't understand why he would do that. I still don't. Soon afterwards, my grandfather called the house and wanted to talk to me. My grandfather now lived in St. Louis and asked how he was doing. I lied. I told him I thought he'd be fine. He'd be okay. And I had just got back from the hospital seeing him. He told me he was going to drive down to see him, and I said, well, why don't you wait to fly down on Wednesday? He disagreed and said he was leaving first thing Tuesday morning. It was about an eight-hour drive, and I told him I loved him, and I didn't want to argue. He's my grandfather. I said I'd meet him at the hospital. After the phone call, I went back to the hospital to stay with my dad until visiting hours were over. I sat there and just kind of held his hand. And I drove back to my stepmom's house. About five minutes after getting there, the hospital called and told me my dad had passed away right after I left. I told them my grandfather was due to arrive tomorrow, and I didn't want anyone to tell him that my dad had died. Tell him he was getting tests or something, but call me immediately when he got there. They said, okay. The next day, the hospital called around 2, told me my grandfather had arrived, and I said, I'll be right up there. I don't really remember driving to the hospital. I do kind of remember parking and walking in. My whole being felt like I left my body. As I entered a hallway, I saw my grandfather sitting at the very end on the left-hand side. The further I moved down the hallway, the longer it seemed to get. About halfway down, he looked up and saw me, and he stood up, and when I got there, we hugged, and I said, well, let's sit down, and I remember holding his hand, and I said, I'm sorry, but he passed away. It was just a second, a moment. It broke my heart. In fact, I don't think I've ever healed from that moment. It was the first time I ever saw my grandfather cry. To tell my grandfather his son had died was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life, and the day before to find out my father died was almost just too much for me. My heart was broken. The years that followed, 
I would have these moments where I would become so overwhelmed with grief, I would have to just give in to it. I was 26 at the time. It's been almost 40 years since then. My grandfather passed away years later, and my grandmother had passed away when I was 16, and she had been ill for many years, and it was a blessing. She wasn't in pain anymore. After my father passed, I stayed to help my stepmom, Carolyn Faye, with all the paperwork, funeral arrangements, and to get everything sorted out. During the funeral, I, of course, sat up front. I never looked at my dad in the casket. And after the funeral, I just couldn't go to the cemetery. I was just too heartbroken, and I had to be alone for a little while. I remember I stopped at a small park on the way back to my stepmom's house and sat on a bench for a while. I remember just talking to my dad and letting him know I would miss him forever. And it has been the hardest thing that I've ever had to do, tell my grandfather his son died. And nothing since then has been that hard. It's kind of how I judge what hard is now and what isn't difficult. You know, to this day I haven't been to his grave, and I was thinking maybe this year it's time. Well, thanks for listening. Remember, be a good human and do the best you can. Thank you.